0: Good morning. Oh, favorite person already identified for the rest of my life. Man, what an amazing thing to be in the house of God celebrating the fact that He does, in fact, change everything. It's Baptism Sunday and we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus has changed lives forever and ever and ever. Uh, Baptism Sunday, I- I'm sorry if you're guests guest with us, and I'm also really thrilled that you're guests guest with us. You chose a great Sunday uh, to show up here at Mission Point. Baptism Sunday is like Super Bowl Sunday for us, um, because after all, this is the very thing that we work for. This is the very thing that we exist for. We as a church exist to invite everyone everywhere to life in Christ. And Baptism Sunday is a Sunday in which we get to see lives that have been invited to Christ and have been changed forever. This is what it's all about. So if we go a little crazy, if we go a little bit nuts, please excuse us for a minute uh, because this is what we believe Jesus wants to do in his people and through his people in the community around us. So we are super excited about that. Uh, So we're going to celebrate a number of baptisms um, in this service, 19 over the course of the morning. I think we have 15 in this uh, service. We had four in the last service. We're really, really excited about that. Uh, Before we get to um, the heart of that celebration, we want to just kind of take some time to look at a story in the New Testament that will help give uh, a little bit more meaning and, and depth to what it is that we are celebrating here this morning. So if you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. uh, We are going to start reading around verse 26 um, or so. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no worries. We're going to have the verses up here on the screen. If you don't own a copy of the Scriptures, we believe it is the Word of God. It will change your life. And so if you need a copy, I would encourage you after the service, head to the connection corner, out those back doors, ask one of the folks there to hand you um, a copy, and we'll be glad to get one in your hands. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. But before we do that, let me just give you a little bit of context, kind of ramping us up into the place where we're going to meet and join this story that's already in progress. So Jesus dies. That's Good Friday. Good Friday. Uh, A couple of days later, on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, he wakes up from the dead, which, by the way, is super hard to do, unless, of course, you're Jesus. Um, Jesus rises from the dead, and then he goes back to heaven in dramatic fashion. But before he goes back to heaven, he gathers all of his followers around him, and he gives them a very clear order. Tell the world about me. And more specifically, tell the world that I am alive and I offer to freely forgive their sins and I offer to fix their friendship with God because here's the reality. Every human being on the planet has messed up. They have sinned. And as a result of their sin, the relationship with God has been broken. Tell the world I offer to forgive them of all of their sins freely and to fully fix that broken relationship with God. Shoo, Go. Oh, start in Jerusalem, your hometown, and then share the message about me in Judea and then go to that area called Samaria and then get to the ends of the earth and make sure whatever you do, this message gets all the way to the United States of America and particularly the state of Indiana. There's some folks there whose lives I want to forever change. And so you never guess what happens. His followers hear the order, and they actually follow it. So they start to go crazy, sharing the message of Jesus, free forgiveness, and his willingness and his offer to fix a friendship with God. They go crazy doing this. But out of all of them, there was one particular guy. His name was Philip. Philip just went crazy, sharing the message of Jesus everywhere he went. He could not stop. Nothing brought him greater delight than to talk about Jesus. If you happen to be walking between 4th and 5th period to your locker next to Philip, he was telling you about Jesus. If you happen to sit next to him on the bus, he was going to tell you how Jesus offers a free ride to paradise. If he happened to be helping you spot, you know, at the gym, he'll tell you how Jesus is willing to lift your sins off of you. Any excuse he could possibly have, Philip was talking about Jesus. So it should not surprise you that Philip earned the nickname, the Jesus Talk Abouter. Like that's how they referred to Philip. They called him Philip the Evangelist because he loved to talk about Jesus. When we meet him, Philip is doing just that, his favorite thing on the planet. In fact, he's taking a trip to an area called Samaria uh, to share the message of Jesus Christ. And while he's there talking about Jesus, an angel, a messenger from heaven, comes and talks to him. This is super awesome. That's where we want to actually join the story. Look at verse 26 in Acts chapter 8. Uh, we find out later, by the way, that this angel, this messenger, is actually the Holy Spirit himself who comes to talk to Philip. Verse 26 says this Now, an angel or a messenger of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, uh, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem. To Gaza. Isn't it just, just the best thing ever when the Holy Spirit is like your GPS? Take exit south to. Gaza. Now, by the way, I know we don't have time to talk about this, which is why I should come back to church because we're starting a a series on the Holy Spirit on Mother's Day, May the 14th. But my mind wonders and starts to think about what did the voice of the Holy Spirit sound like? Was it like a British accent? Was it Morgan Freeman sounding voice? Was it like in Greek? Was it like in Hebrew? What did it sound like? I don't know what it sounded like, but all I know is if you have any desire to find out what the voice of the Spirit sounds like, go to Samaria. Okay, I'm kidding. Not really, but Kind of. Because the point was, Philip was in Samaria because all he knew was that Jesus had given a direct order, share about me and make sure you go to Samaria. So he was doing what Jesus had commanded. So all I'm telling you is if you want to learn what it is to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, start doing the things that Jesus has commanded. Start going the places Jesus has commanded. And my guess is as you start to do the things he said, the the Spirit will start to say things to you, which is what's happening in this case with... Philip, Spirit of God speaks to him, and the Spirit of God says something super strange. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, here's what you uh, you need to know: is as much as we want to hear from the Holy Spirit, sometimes He may tell us to do things that are not our favorite. He may. Tell us, ask us to do things that sound crazy, things that may even seem a little on the silly side, like this, for instance. This is kind of odd, what he asks Philip to do. It'll be like the Holy Spirit saying to you students, hey, I want you to go to school today. And you'd say, it's Sunday. There's no school on Sunday. I know that. Also, I want you to go to your school using the Indianapolis route. You would be like, um, I could to my school in 10 minutes if I just go the direct route. Nobody went from Jerusalem to Gaza using the desert road. That took about 15 times as long to get from where you were to where you wanted to be. It was a difficult, arduous journey. It was windy. It was bumpy, it was rocky, it was sleepy, and all the other dwarfs. It just wasn't the way that you would want to get to Gaza. And yet, this is what the Holy Spirit tells Philip to do. Because how many of you know it's never silly if God says it? And if you need any evidence, watch what happens next. Verse 27. So he, Philip, right? He started out On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Because no one ever uses this crazy, silly route to go from Jerusalem to Gaza. No one ever goes that way, apparently except for this super rich, super important guy from Ethiopia who had gone to Jerusalem and was on his way back home. Except for this guy who was deeply sad, as we'll find out in a moment, who was empty and who was searching for meaning. He apparently decided to take this road. This guy from Ethiopia apparently was on a quest to find something to give his life a little bit of anchor, uh, a little bit of meaning. So much so that he was willing to take a 1,600-mile trip by chariot. That's like on a buggy. This trip would have taken him weeks and weeks to make one way. This would have been a super expensive trip because he took an entourage with him and a number of animals, and so he had to pay for all of them to be fed. This would have been very, very expensive. But he was so deeply empty and so desperate that he thought it worth it to take this arduous and long trip to Jerusalem because he had apparently heard rumors about a God whose people worshipped in Jerusalem. And so he thought to himself, if I can just get to one of their worship services, something about my life might change forever. But sadly for him, it doesn't work. He's actually on his way back to Ethiopia, taking this back road, still empty and still searching for meaning, as you see as the story goes on. And so while this empty man is heading back towards Africa, the Holy Spirit whispers to Philip, hey, go down to Gaza. And he has to specify, no, 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 use the desert road. Because I know no one ever takes that road, but there is an empty, desperate man taking it right now who needs to hear about Jesus. So Philip goes and follows these instructions. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he, the Ethiopian, invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. I want to understand this so badly. You have no idea how desperately I want to get a sense of things. Because I think this book that he may have purchased while he was in Jerusalem, I think this book might have the answer that I've been searching for all my life. Which, by the way, is probably why he chose to take the quiet road that nobody else ever used so he could have some uninterrupted time to just pour over this book in hopes of finding the answer that he had desperately been looking for, but he's just getting more and more confused to the point that he's willing to invite this total stranger to come up into his fancy Mercedes chariot, because this guy was really rich. Look at verse 32. This is a passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus. Philip is like, yes! Woo! My favorite thing ever. You just gave me an excuse to do the thing I love to do more than anything else in the world, which is to talk about Jesus. And Philip shares the gospel message with this desperate, empty Ethiopian man. He tells him about how Jesus is willing to freely forgive all of his sins, and how Jesus, and only Jesus, is willing to fix his broken relationship with God if he would just ask him. Just ask him. And there's no doubt in my mind that at some point Philip paused and asked the guy, Do you want to experience complete forgiveness of every mess and mistake you have ever made? There's no doubt in my mind. Philip paused at some point and asked him, Do you want to experience your broken relationship with God fixed? Do you want to go back to Ethiopia knowing that you and God are good? Relationship restored. And there's no doubt from this passage that this Ethiopian man said, Yeah, this is absolutely what I've been looking for all of my life as he makes the best decision one could ever make and says yes to forgiveness and says yes to a fixed friendship in that chariot on that back road this man makes that decision and he is changed for ever let me just say a couple of things let let me do what is my greatest honor In life to do. Let me play Philip for a couple of moments before we baptize some folks. I was reading this story and I started to see things that I'd never seen before until I was reading it just recently and in preparation for this very moment right here. But did anyone else notice some of the odd pieces of this story? For instance, did anyone notice how super impressive and super important this Ethiopian guy is? Really important. He is responsible for all of the treasure and all of the money, pretty much, of the entire empire of Ethiopia at that time. This guy is top five most important person in the country, if not the continent, at that particular point in time. Really important. He has a bunch of people who do everything that he says. He is super rich, super influential, super admired, this Ethiopian guy. He is so super important. And did anyone else notice how so super lost he was? And it struck me afresh. Apparently, it doesn't matter how important you are. It doesn't matter where in your company you rank and influence. It doesn't matter how many friends at school think you are awesome. It doesn't matter how many points you put up on the board. It doesn't matter how many, how much money you, you make. It, it doesn't matter how many people do everything that you tell them to do. If your relationship with God is broken, none of it matters. Here's a guy who should have had every reason to feel set and established and he is miserable in a back road looking for meaning because meaning ultimately is not going to be found in stuff or in influence. Not until Jesus fixes your broken relationship with God and freely forgives you of all of Your sin. And something else I noticed: if anyone else noticed how super devoted and super religious this guy was, I'm just saying, how many of you, and I don't want to diss you or call you out, I'm just asking, how many of you would take a 1600-mile trip on a buggy to go to a worship service? I don't mean to embarrass you, but some of you live less than 15 minutes away from here and you show up maybe once a month. So I'm just telling you, this guy is more religious than you and this guy is more religious than me. And while we're talking about it, how many of you would get off social media and put your phone away and just figure out space to be silent just so you can better understand the Word of God? I'm just asking. Because I suspect that this guy was a little more religious than you. He was super pious and super devoted and super religious and super lost. Because apparently it doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how far you travel how often you go to church. It doesn't matter how many ways you serve. It really doesn't matter how well you even know the book of the Bible. If Jesus hasn't fixed your broken relationship with God, that doesn't matter. In fact, the fact that you're in church this morning doesn't matter, ultimately, if your relationship with God is not fixed and if your sin is not forgiven. But isn't that the good news? Isn't that just that my greatest honor on the planet to tell you that Jesus Christ is alive and Jesus Christ, in fact, offers to freely forgive you of all of your sin and to fix your broken relationship with God. And you don't have to go to church every week and you don't have to travel 1,600 miles. You don't even have to travel 15 minutes. You don't have to serve in the church. You only need to ask him and he'll forgive you and he'll fix your relationship with God. That is great news. And because this group of people obeyed Jesus' order to go and tell the world, I got to hear about it all the way in Africa, maybe thanks to this Ethiopian guy, thanks to Philip. And now it's coming to Indiana, Warsaw, the offer of free forgiveness and a fixed relationship with God. Look at verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Then there's a funky missing verse, don't worry about it. Um, Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot, because people did what he said. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and Philip baptized him, how awesome. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. Okay, I want that. I want that. I want you and I to be talking one day, and the spirit's just like boop takes me away. I want that that GPS and the vanishing act, that's pretty cool. Um, but I-, I love this. He did not see him again, but who cares? Whatever. The Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. Philip's gone, but who cares? My sins are forgiven and my friendship with God is fixed. Who cares? As he walks away rejoicing. We love Baptism Sunday here at Mission Point. Because here in a moment, a number of people are going to be making the declaration that I have said yes to Jesus offer to freely forgive me and fix my friendship with God and apparently when Philip was sharing the gospel with the eunuch he also shared with him one of Jesus first commands when somebody's sins are forgiven which is be baptized now baptism doesn't fix the friendship with God baptism doesn't forgive sin but baptism is a picture It's a declaration to the public, to everybody else, that Jesus has forgiven me and fixed my friendship with God, and I want the world to know. And Jesus says, if you've been forgiven, you take this step and you make this declaration. So here, in a moment, we are going to stand and celebrate with a bunch of people who have said yes to Jesus, and they want you to know Jesus has changed them forever and ever and ever and ever. And how exciting, how amazing is That The picture of them going under the water, the old life, and then coming up out of the water, new life, forever changed. The picture of them going under the water and coming up, a picture of being cleaned of all of their sins forever and ever. So, as folks come up to get baptized here in a second, we are going to go crazy making some noise. Because that's a big deal. When your eternal destiny has been forever changed because you said yes to Jesus, you asked him to... That's a big deal. And so we get to celebrate with 15 people who've said yes. But we don't want to leave this morning without giving you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. As well, And so even as we watch some of these folks coming up to get baptized, if you know that you could not say with certainty that your relationship with God has been fixed and your sins have been forgiven, ask him. It's that simple. Jesus, would you please forgive my sin? Would you please fix my broken relationship with God? And he'll always say, yes. So church, what do you say we baptize some folks? Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, let me say a quick word of prayer, and uh, then we'll transition uh, uh, to standing with some folks as they make this declaration of life change. Jesus, thank you for your amazing sacrifice. You traveled more than 1,600 miles to come from heaven to earth, and you obeyed every law that God commanded, even though we failed. And you gave your life on a cross to pay the penalty that we deserved. And then you rose from the dead to offer forgiveness and fullness and freedom and friendship forever to anyone who asks you. You've done all the work. How kind of you to offer your grace to us so thank you for the lives uh, represented who've said yes we celebrate the fact that you are still offering life you are still changing lives even today so may every sound of celebration be a sound of worship to you our risen and conquering king it's in your name we pray